You're listening to From the Beginning. I'm Griffin Caprio. And I'm Jen Dudley. And this is our show about podcasters, their origins, and how they came to create their podcast. In this episode, we're talking with Coraline Ada Emke, a prolific speaker, writer, open source advocate, and technologist, as well as the founding panelist of the Greater Than Code podcast. Probably the biggest piece of this episode that stood out for me is Coraline and her podcast focus on topics and discussion that don't usually get a lot of uh, visibility in the software engineering industry. And for me, it was an interesting reminder of our episode we did with Paco, who did something similar for the gaming industry. Jen, how about you? Yeah, I have to agree. As soon as I saw that the focus of Greater Than Code is to highlight the human elements of software development, I had been looking forward to this conversation. It's so important for people who have success and a platform within the tech industry to create more space to have these types of conversations that would be so easy to just ignore. So it's really a credit to Coraline and her fellow panelists to be creating that space with Greater Than Code. And here's Coraline's story from the beginning. We're here with Coraline Ada Emke today, a well-known speaker, writer, open source advocate, and technologist with over 20 years of experience in developing applications for the web. Coraline has also devoted significant time and energy into promoting diversity and inclusion in open source, and notably is the creator of the Contributor Covenant, the most popular open source code of conduct in the world, with more than 40,000 adoptions. She's also writing a book about practicing empathy and software development titled The Compassionate Coder, coming out later this year, and is a founding panelist of the Greater Than Code podcast, a popular program that focuses on the human elements of software development. And I have to say, as someone who is really interested in the people side of tech, I'm super excited to be chatting with you today. So thanks for joining us, Coraline. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So to get started, it would be great to hear from you both how you got started with podcasting and specifically with Greater Than Code. Sure. My first podcasting experience, aside from being a guest, was actually on a podcast called Ruby Rogues, which is a a Ruby language focused podcast. I was visiting a friend who happened to be a panelist on Ruby Rogues, and I was co-working from her house. Uh, her name is Jessica Kerr, and I was downstairs in her dining room um, having a video chat with my team. We were doing stand-up, and she was upstairs getting ready to record the podcast. And in the middle of me giving my update, she comes barreling down the stairs, and she says, Coraline, we're short a panelist. Do you want to be a guest panelist today? And I was like, um, sure, that sounds interesting. So I like cut my video call short and went upstairs and joined her. And um, we had a really great episode. I don't remember who the guest was, but I really felt like I was actively participating and, and well engaged. And when the episode came out, a very notable Rubyist named James Gray, um, who had been a founding member of the Ruby Rogues podcast, tweeted out, I heard Coraline on the Ruby Rogues podcast. Is she going to be a permanent part of the panel now? And the guy who ran the podcast replied, I don't know. Does she want to be? And I replied, yes, I do. So um, I got my start on the Ruby Rogues panel. And I tried to bring a human element to bear in that podcast. It had previously been very tech-focused, and I was interested in the stories of the people behind the tech. 
So that was the nature of the questions that I would generally ask. And that kind of pulled the podcast in a different direction. And there ended up being a conflict with the host between myself and several other panelists. And long story short, we all quit the podcast. And our producer, Mandy Moore, said she had been the previous producer on Ruby Rogues, but had left that program already. So she got in touch with all of us and said, hey, let's start our own podcast where we focus on those sorts of things that Coraline's been so interested in. So that's when the Greater Than Code podcast was founded. We have a very diverse lineup of spe- of guests on the program, and we we really take the time to get to know them and what makes them tick and the things they're interested in, the things they're passionate about. And we have amazing conversations, and I am I just could not be happier with this podcast. That's fantastic. I love that story and hearing your interest in getting really the story behind the people and the guests that you're talking to as much or more than the tech elements. It's something that Griffin and I think a lot about in this business and why we decided to start the podcast, because we were hearing all of these stories from podcasters and we wanted to be able to share them. You know, something I noticed in doing the research for today was that in the content guide section of the Greater Than Code website, you mentioned it was really more a movement than just a podcast. I'd love to hear both what that means to you and why you decided to include a podcast as a channel for that particular movement. Sure. Um, I think in recent years, we're seeing a shift I attend a lot of conferences. I'm a frequent speaker all over the world. And increasingly, we're seeing talks at conferences that are not about tech in particular. I like to think of it this way. Tech is ephemeral. The the skills you have, the very specific skills you have with a language or a framework or a particular technology are transitory. Um, those tech those technologies are going to change out from under you and you have to be in a constant process of learning and adapting. And I think the learning and adapting part falls into what are sort of in a derogatory manner called soft skills, as well as interpersonal skills and empathy and just the way you relate to other people in general, whether they be stakeholders or fellow developers or end users. That's that's the area where personal development has the greatest impact because those skills are permanent. Those are lifelong skills. And they're skills that we have to practice and master just like we do technology skills. And I, I would like us to see, I would like to see more of a focus on that in the broader community. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Coraline, that's, as Jen said, I think that resonates significantly with why, you know, we, kind of found each other and, and started this this company. Um, one of the things that I used to tell people as I interviewed them in, uh, in a previous role was, um, we're going to interview for aptitude and, and capabilities and less for knowledge and technical knowledge because as the technologies ebb and flow, we want to hire people that um, are going to be with us on that journey and not... Uh, focus solely on kind of like the specific technology or the specific language or framework. And that's how you kind of start to build in that learning culture of um, kind of communication and empathy um, and collaboration with everyone else is when they don't focus purely on, on those kind of like hardcore um, knowledge-based tech skills. Yeah, I think we have this uh, 
we have this stereotype of a programmer as a, a sort of lone actor, a, a hero, a misunderstood genius, someone with low technical skills uh, or low social skills and high technical skills. And that that probably was never true. And that is definitely not true of software development today. Software development is a team activity. There's a social activity. And if we're not putting people first, then we're not doing our jobs. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you do you find that podcasts as a medium and a delivery channel in and of itself enables you to further that message and really the mission of having more of those kinds of discussions? I hope so. That's kind of the uh, the goal of what we're doing on the podcast. What we're trying to achieve is starting conversations and getting people thinking about these issues. So the perspectives of the of the the guests that we have on the show are coming from people of different backgrounds, people of different experience levels, people with different lived experience, and. All of them bring something new to the table and all of them challenge us to think about things in a different light. And hopefully those podcasts lead to conversations down the road um, among the listeners and their peers. And uh, we're actually patron supported. Uh, we have a Patreon at um, patreon.com slash greater than code. And people who pledge at any level, listeners who pledge at any level, get access to a Slack community. and. Active participation in the Slack community is the other side of what we're trying to do with the podcast because we have our guests in that Slack. All the panelists are in that Slack and all the listeners are in that Slack. So the conversations that start on the podcast get continued in the Slack and people are able to bring their own sort of experiences to bear and talk through the things that um, that got them thinking in the podcast episode and interact with all of us in real time and learn from each other. And I think that's a really important part of our success formula for greater than code. Uh, that's interesting. Do you find that conversations come uh, from the podcast to the Slack and then back onto the podcast? Like, do you pick topics up? We absolutely do. And sometimes we do that in near real time where we say, hey, we have so-and-so on the show today. Does anyone have any questions they want us to ask? So the, the audio, so the community does have an opportunity to sort of guide that conversation. And um, also people have follow-up questions. We have our show is an hour long and we can't cover absolutely everything. So having the guests in the Slack as well um, gives other people an opportunity to, to ask them those questions that came to mind as they were listening. I think it's so cool that you have that participation and feedback loop with your listeners with the Slack channel. I know that's something a lot of podcasters are looking to be able to bridge. You know, sometimes with a podcast, it, it can feel like you're kind of broadcasting this one-way communication and bridging that gap and having more of an actual conversation uh, can be pretty difficult, but it seems like that's something you've been pretty successful at with Greater Than Code. Knowing that you all as panelists have pretty decent followings in your various communities, which I imagine helps, do you think that there's anything you have done beyond that that has led to the success of the back and forth between the podcast and the Slack channel? 
I think our online reputations gave us some credibility early on. Um, we did have people who were well-known in the software development community, various language communities, actually. Um, and lending our names to that podcast, I think, attracted the initial group, the initial community around what we were trying to do. Um, but the more we do, the more podcast episodes we do, we're expanding that reach beyond what we can accomplish individually via social media. And we're expanding that conversation. We have 261 currently people in our SOC community. And we have about 10,000 listeners every month. And that's that's a broader reach than I think any of us could achieve individually. Coraline, how's your experience with Patreon uh, been in terms of um, both supporting those uh, those contributors and, and those supporters, as well as kind of um, providing them with what they see as uh, valuable or um, kind of like interesting things from, from you and the other panelists? Well, we've used it as an opportunity to not only sort of put up a, a gate in terms of who can join the community. It's not completely public. You have to support us before you get access. So that's the kind of carrot. And um, it also gives us a channel for delivering um, content that is special, content that won't make it onto the normal podcast. Um, oftentimes, um, we record for about an hour and a half to two hours to get an hour's worth of podcast. And um, we have a bio break in the middle. And often, people will have a side conversation or one of the panelists will sort of get an idea and expand on it in sort of a, a thoughtful monologue. And we started capturing those and releasing those as what we call truth bombs. And they are ancillary to the topics that we're covering with the guest, but still relevant. And so we end up using that as sort of premium content that we share with our supporting listeners and try and give them some extra value beyond the Slack community and beyond just the feel-good nature of being a supporter. Um, so we do see that as another channel for us. And um, for us, we've had a lot of trouble getting corporate sponsorships. Um, we did have O'Reilly sponsor us in Cloud City and a couple of other organizations. Um, but putting on a podcast is expensive. We, we pay our producer, and we do four episodes a month. And without Patreon, we wouldn't be able to do it. We still don't meet all of our costs, um, but without Patreon, we wouldn't be able to produce the content that we do. So I'm curious, um, what you said you had trouble getting sponsors. I'm kind of curious as to what you see as the um, the issues or, or the things, the difficulties that, that you guys have. And, and do you think those are similar to other podcasters or do you think you have um, kind of unique challenges or unique roadblocks? I think it's kind of unique for us because of the nature of the show that we're doing. We are doing something different with, with our podcast. And I think that a lot of people don't really understand if you're looking at it from a purely PR perspective or a purely marketing perspective, they may not understand what it is that we're trying to achieve. So the sponsors that we have had are really companies that are committed to our mission and committed to that mission in their own terms, not just in terms of supporting the podcast. So I think that kind of narrows the field for us 
to a smaller number of companies than a purely technical podcast with an underst- a well-understood audience would necessarily get. So Coraline, it's cool to hear a bit more of the behind the scenes of how your podcast is put together. One of the things I noticed and that you had mentioned earlier was about the interplay between the panelists and how there's this level of familiarity and comfort, even intimacy among you that allows you to have these really engaging, interesting conversations where you can be real. Knowing that there's a lot of production that goes into creating that, do you think having a dedicated producer has helped create that environment and made it possible in a way that wouldn't have been if you had been kind of doing all of the hosting yourself? Absolutely. Our producer really has a, a vital role to play in, in turning the show into, into what we actually broadcast every week, not just editing out the ums and ohs to make us sound smarter, but also she is responsible for lining up our guests for doing that outreach and she just does so much behind the scenes work. It allows us as panelists to focus on the guests and not have to worry about all of the other things that go into making a successful podcast. She's really, really good at that stuff. And we just focus on the conversations that we want to have and the rest is done for us. You know, you talked about kind of how greater than code is, is more than just a podcast, more, more like a movement. Do you envision expanding into other uh either other podcasts or other mediums like events or anything like that? We did do something interesting at RailsConf this year. We did a live recording of the show with an audience. And that was really a great experience because we got to see people reacting in real time to the conversation that we were having. And um, we took questions from the audience as well. So it felt a lot more interactive and that was really good. And we're hoping to be able to do that at other conferences in the future as well. Yeah, that's really cool. And I I do think it's one of the pieces of um, podcasting that kind of elevates it above uh, just kind of a, a a dialogue or a monologue type uh, type show is that kind of like audience interaction. What do you think the, um, uh, the challenges are to being able to do that more regularly. So you said you hope to be able to do that at future conferences. Yeah, a lot of it is monetary. We have to pay our producer to show up. We need equipment for the record for the live recording that we won't need that we wouldn't need otherwise if we were just recording from our homes. Um, and the travel and accommodations, it's uh, it costs money to get everyone there or to get a significant number of panelists there along with the producer. So that's been kind of a barrier for us. What do you think? What do you think the future looks like for uh, for greater than code as a as a movement? Is this something that you know you're going to take kind of the the formula that you have today and uh, continue to kind of expand and refine it? Do you hope to um, move into other areas or, or other topics? I think our mission is broad enough that we'll be able to continue doing what we do and just hopefully iterate and get better at it. Uh, be more focused, have more, continue having really interesting guests. Um, I think the conversations we can have are endless. And we've kind of fallen into a rhythm now in terms of how the conversations start and how they progress. And we have a, a structure that I think lends itself well to really spending time to get to know the guests and getting to giving them a platform to share their ideas. So I don't see anything radical changing in the near future for the podcast, 
but I think just continuing the trend, continuing to do what we're doing now and getting better and better at it. Gotcha. You mentioned Mandy kind of, um, you know, keeps you on point, keeps you focused, edits out, edits out the ums and ohs. Um, what, if anything, are your biggest pain points still, or does she kind of take care of, of everything? Um, the hardest thing for me as a panelist is keeping the conversation down to an hour. Um, I would love to talk to our guests for hours on end, but we have to stay focused and make sure that we're covering all of the things that they really wanted to talk about in the time allotted. Um, so that's always, that's always something we try to be mindful of. And I'm kind of the, the timekeeper for the episodes as we're recording. Um, and we do take breaks to say, Hey, do you want to continue in this direction or do you want to talk about something new? Um, Everything else, Mandy takes care of for us. All the mechanics of production and releasing it, maintaining the website and scheduling guests. As panelists, we're very lucky. All we have to do is focus on the guest. Yeah, I can definitely see that being uh, extremely valuable. I know uh, a lot of hard work goes into you know just an individual podcast, and like you said, publishing four times a uh, a month with the depth and the and the length that you guys are, that that you um, and the other panelists talk about is is going to be tricky. So Coraline, you all have had quite a lot of success with this particular podcast and individually, you're all successful within the tech community. Do you have any interaction or thoughts about the larger podcaster community specifically in the topic areas that are tech related or adjacent to that? I'm hoping that when people look at the success of Greater Than Code, it will challenge them in determining, deciding what kind of content they want to produce. Um, there are a lot of very technical podcasts, and I think we're missing out on a lot of stories. And I think just sort of getting the message out there that you can be successful without talking directly about the tech. You can be successful with getting to know your guests and giving them a platform to share their ideas. I'm hoping that that idea will spread to make other podcasts more, frankly, more interesting and frankly, more relevant um, to their listeners. Um, I feel like we're, we're leading the way in that regard. And we do have a very successful show. And I'm hoping that we will inspire other podcasters to do some of the same things that make us so successful. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's certainly one of the things as, as Jen and I get deeper into, you know, the podcast community, there are um, there are some stereotypes around kind of the content and the audience uh, that content is created for that tend to run um, a little bit true in some areas. You know, the a lot of the, the podcasts um, that are out now are very focused on um, tech and mail and um, yeah, it's yeah. too snarky, sarcastic white dudes talking about tech, right? That's yeah, exactly. It's the formula for a podcast. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I think one of the focuses that you know, we're trying to take is very much along the lines of broadening that that message and broadening the voice and giving people the tools that, uh, and frankly, the exposure that they would otherwise not be able to get because they don't fit into that um, that stereotype or that um, category. Yeah, and that's so important. I'm glad that there are people working on making that easier for people. Shifting gears here a little bit, something I wanted to ask you, Coraline, that I picked up from the Greater Than Code episodes, that sounds like a kind of signature question you ask most of your guests is about their superpower. And I don't think I've heard you talk about your superpower on any of the episodes. 
Oh, we did recently do an entire episode. We're trying to do panelist episodes to let the community get to know us individually a little bit better. And we did do a Coraline episode where I talked extensively about um, the intersection of magic and technology, magic and software development, which is something that's very close to my heart. So I said that my superpower is boundless energy. And um, I... I stay very, very busy and I stay very, very focused on things that I feel like I can do to leverage my privilege and make technology better for other people, especially marginalized people. And um, I'm by nature a very disorganized person. I've created systems that support me in doing my work and keep me focused and keep me from losing track of things. So I guess organizational skill would be a, a close second. But Really, I am so motivated constantly to try to make, try to give people what I have, at least some of what I have in terms of the success that I am lucky enough to have enjoyed in my career. I think that a tech career can be so transformative. Salaries are so good. Um, if you end up at a good company with a good culture, it can be so supportive to your personal and professional growth. I want as many people as possible to have those opportunities. And that motivates me to constantly look for ways that I can leverage my privilege and create mechanisms by which more people can participate in this amazing field. So for anyone who's listening, who's thinking about jumping into podcasting or getting started and wanting to share their story, is there a piece of advice or encouragement that you would give people as they're getting started? I think it would be be authentic. If you're able to bring your full self to bear, either in your work or your relationships or your projects, that's, I think, a secret to success. If you're able to to be your full self and bring that full range of your life experiences and your particular interests and your passions to bear, mm -hmm. your audience will pick up on that. And they will see that you're sincere, see that you're authentic, and actually listen to you. Um, you don't have to play a role. You don't have to play a character. If you're, I think if you're doing it right, you can, you can be yourself and attract people by your authenticity. That's fantastic. And I think great advice just in life in general and always a good reminder when we can get so caught up in the details and the tech of making sure that we have the right mic or the right piece of equipment or using the right software for a podcast, pulling back to something like being authentic, which is so human and so important. I imagine that's a topic that probably comes up a lot in your upcoming book, The Compassionate Coder. Do I have that correct? Yeah, we definitely talk about that. And we talk about, it's it's a guidebook for practicing empathy and software development. And the way it's structured is it starts off with general interpersonal interactions and a general definition, a working definition of what empathy is and is not. And then it tracks the reader through career progression. So it starts out with talking about early career developers. And then as you move up, as you advance in your career, we have information, we have content that's tailored more toward mid-level, toward seniors, toward mentoring, toward managers. And in the last section, we actually get out in the last section, we actually get into work that you do in a community, whether it's attending a conference or speaking at a conference even organizing a conference, 
being an open source contributor, being a good citizen, running your own open source project. So we hope that there's something there for everyone, no matter where they are in their career journey. Yeah, that's so uh, refreshing to hear because, you know, as organizations evolve, I think uh, there's really a, a focus longer overdue on the, uh, the people, the communication um, problems as having much greater influence on the actual tech and the, uh, the, the software problems than I think has been given credence in the past. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, and I have a co-author, my friend Naomi Freeman, who has a lot of experience with affecting organizational change, so culture at the organizational level. Most of my focus in life and in the book is on is more at the individual level and more at the team level. And she has a great perspective that she brings to bear in terms of how the decisions and interactions that we make at a low level are influenced by and in turn influence the greater company culture. So I think we have a great balance and a really great working relationship in between the two of us. We're covering a lot of important ground in the book. I'm really looking forward to reading that when it comes out. Is it still slated for the fall? We're hopeful. Um, we're doing a ton of writing. We're doing a ton of work. Um, over the last month, we've been preparing a proposal to take to publishers. We have a couple of ideal targets in mind. Um, but we have passed the halfway point. We have about 175 pages written and we have about 10 chapters to go. So we, we want to make sure we're taking our time and covering everything that we want to cover thoroughly and in an engaging way. So I'm not terribly motivated by a deadline, but I would like to see us finish writing by the end of the year. And where can people who are looking to get updates on the book or any of the other work that you've got going on, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? For the book specifically, you can go to CompassionateCoder.com and you can sign up for updates and get a link to our Patreon there. For Coraline in general, the best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. My handle is CorelineAda, and I'm happy to continue conversations with anyone who's polite and honest and has personal integrity. I will hold any conversation you want to and share anything I can possibly share. Fantastic. Coraline, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. I know time is one of the resources we have a limited amount of. So thank you for sharing some of that with us here today. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. This has been another episode of From the Beginning. Editing and theme music was provided by Roy Matz. Thank you for listening. <laughs>